Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast, bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and Zach. What's up, gentlemen? Hello, frenemy. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> um, before before we get to that, you got some housekeeping for us there, Mike? Sure. Let's uh, let's get into the housekeeping because we got housekeeping this week. Housekeeping. So, um, the Fifth Trooper Network. We we talked about this a little bit uh, on last week's cast, but the the Fifth Trooper Network is uh, proud to announce that we are. Um, kickstarting our own board game on our website at the fifth trooper.com uh the name of the game is called cubicle raiders um it is a game that jay had started developing uh, a few years ago and that um we kind of put through the playtesting ringer um and and did some changes and stuff too and in more recent days and um it's finally ready to go it's uh ready to be released to the public so um, if you're looking to pick up a sweet new board game um, or just looking to support us and feel weird about Patreon or whatever, um, this is a really sweet product. Uh, it's I believe it's $30 um, to kickstart on um, on our webpage. It's, uh, our kickstarting goal is only going to be $3,000 to start off, so we're pretty confident we can hit that. Um, we're not really concerned about it, but, um, you know, that that's our that's our target level for this this first bird board game and if this is super successful maybe there's other things that you'll see eventually um that could be cool uh that that maybe we have in our back pocket so um you know we appreciate everybody's support and um you know if if you're looking for a cool board game that's about 45 minutes uh cubicle raiders may be for you so I know uh, Zach has played it. He was talking about it on the cast, I think, last week. We also did a live stream of me, uh, Jay, uh, John Bushman, uh, and Brendan Franz playing Cubicle Raiders uh, Sunday. You can find that on the Fifth Trooper YouTube. I think we're going to do it a couple more times. We've also got a TTS mod for it incoming. Um, Jay's kind of putting up some finishing touches on it. You can see us use that mod in the YouTube video because clearly we all live around the country and it's COVID time. So, um, you know, we being safe there, but, uh, pretty cool, cool stuff coming down the pipeline for the fifth trooper network. And, um, again, we thank you for all your support, um, whether you back this endeavor or not. Yeah, awesome. I, I just can't stress it enough. It's just like a cool, laid back, fun game. Like I'm looking forward to playing it with my wife um, because it's like a simple game that you just put on the table at any time. You can play quickly. Uh, Kyle, you know, with kids, like playing a board game with like your wife, you need like the quick hitters because by the time you're ready to sit down and play a board game, you can't really like descend into like Twilight and Imperium. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> so um, you know, it, it's 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 good to have like one of those like games that you can just put down and know you'll get it done and, and have fun. Um, maybe let them win. Not just kidding. I don't let my wife win uh, anything. Um, so yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And the, the mod looked great. Um, I, I hopped into the uh, stream on Sunday. Uh, Sundays are a little tough for me, to, for me to join in, but I hopped in. It looked really cool. And uh, the, the mod looked great. Um, 
it had been a while since I played. And I was like, oh man, I, I'm looking, I'm jazzed out to play this. Yeah, I mean, frankly, even the physical stuff looks pretty great. We've got, uh, we had a bunch of um, prototype copies made, and they were up at Jay's. So, um, since I'm in New York, I, I stopped by and took a look, and and I'm I'm very excited about it all. Everything looks looks pretty pretty sweet. So, um, yeah. Awesome! I'm excited. I myself have not played it yet, so I'm going to do a Kickstarter and get it and play it with my wife. You let her win things? No. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. No, so, that'd be that'd be like that'd be dishonest. Yeah. Not to go like, like on a tangent real quick, but we've been playing board games with our our three year old son, and Kyle. I don't know if you play with your kids, but when you start teaching them board games and you try to let them win. Like you, you don't try to like force no, them in, but you don't, no. but then, but then the time comes where you're like, all right, you let them get the taste of victory. Now it's time to play this game for real. And you don't try and cheese anything. And they get their, their first taste of, of loss. And it is an interesting concept to see a child to go through that. Um, I've never felt it because when I play board games with my wife, I never lose. So, um, but needless to say, cubicle Raiders going to take it, take it down. Um, and I'm excited I'm also excited about. Uh, do you hear? Do you hear the beating of that drum behind me? Uh, do you hear that? Oh, that that is the Civil War drum that I'm hearing that is happening in Invader League. Do you guys want to tell me about that? Yeah. Uh, so here, let's hit that news drop real quick. Welcome to In the News. So, Mike, they revealed the Invader League groups on friday there's like 40 of them i'm in group 11 what group are you in i i think the group that i'm in starts with a one and ends in one um maybe it's 101 like legion 101 uh uh, no uh yeah i'm also in group 11 um so there are six of us in group 11 as there are in every other group and two of them are us (laughs) accurate so yeah uh gonna be an interesting invader league season i will say that i um was not as much as I love you, Kyle, I was not thrilled to hear that we were in the same group just because, you know, um, it it makes it a little bit more difficult for us both to get out of the group, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, luckily, it is two people from every group that make it to Elims, the top two. So there's like a situation where we are those two people, which, of course, selfishly, I would, I would prefer. Um, but... <laughs> You never know. We have a looks like a pretty decently competitive group. So, um, yeah, I can't decide. We were talking about this before the cast. I can't decide <laughs> if I want to just do our game like a bandaid and just rip it off, you know, and just do like the first game because you can schedule these in any order, or just wait until it's the last game and then just hope that it doesn't matter for either of us and we can just screw around. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know either. I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm not over it yet. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, the rest of our group is pretty good and, and, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be, I think a steep climb, you know, I think that, I think that you definitely, um, you know, are probably favored to win in our matchup by at least a little bit. Um, but Dude, you've, you've beaten me more than any other single person has. 
I know, but I also play you more than any other well, person has, right? You know. Yes, I that's mean, accurate. But, and I think it is fair that I, I, you know, we're like fifty-five, forty-five, or something close. You know, it's not like crazy different, but I don't know. Like, I would feel a lot better if you or anybody of your caliber like just wasn't in my group at all you know um <laughs> the fact that it's a team kill is just that much worse you know um so you know yeah i yeah this makes it makes it awkward because now you know through every invader season uh i think this might be like second or third season that i've been part of fifth troopers we always theorize and try and you know plan and discuss and and you know talk about list building and what we might do and you guys can't do that so like you just can't do it that's the biggest thing like invader league i'm constantly just bouncing all of my ideas specifically in like round robin like off of you guys and like i feel like i can't do that like no (laughs) you really can't like unless you're trying to bluff right and like and then it just like it it brings the whole like round robin phase not locking lists thing like it it really complicates what's going on here um like if if our lists were locked like i wouldn't i wouldn't care like i i just wouldn't care because the choice would already be made there's nothing i can do about it i don't have to worry about it the match is just gonna happen and the outcome is gonna be the outcome but like now i gotta do this like weird list dance with kyle <laughs> until we play you know you know what map you guys are on yet uh yeah i, uh, naboo. I have to look it's naboo. naboo it's not one you made right hey, it, is, <laughs> it is not one i made all right great that which, which, funny. There, which there was only a 60 percent chance of <laughs> <laughs> man um, uh yeah for those who, for those listening if you're not familiar uh last season uh, I went for list locking as tournament organizer for Invader League. This season, uh, LJ's back at the helm and he's going full list unlock. So it's like quite the opposite. Yeah, including, it's including it's fa- it's not faction yeah. locked either. Sorry. So you can yeah. play four different factions over the course of Round Robin. If you so want. it's straight up like Wild Town. So Mike and Kyle could basically play anything at this point. Um, I mean, we both know that Kyle is either playing Rebels or Droids, and we probably can assume that Mike has thrown his Imperials in the trash and he's only playing clones. Um, I wouldn't be so sure about that. Ah, or Vader. <laughs> he could always bring out Vader. I, I, you know, there is that too. Um, I feel like there's a chance that we just complete, like, because you and I play so much that we'll have to go to great lengths to actually surprise each other. There's yeah, a non-zero I, chance I that we just true. both show up with some kind of outrageous jank. Yeah, but I think that's... I think that is a lie. And this is coming from someone on the inside and has seen the inner workings because when we were doing um, our game, uh, our games, when we were doing the, um, the strategy uh, board that Mike had with, with um, out of rim that I'm trying to think of the name of, we were doing the campaign that, so, you know, it's got subsided because life got busy. Right. I don't know how many times Kyle and I said, Hey, let's build like a janky list. And, but every single time we circled back, we played a normal attrition list and Mike and David, when you guys were, you know, building your list, you probably were thinking the same thing, but you always kind of formulated into somewhat of a, more of a, you know, competitive 
list. And so what's going to happen is you're going to circle the wagons with these ideas. You're going to say, I'm going to bring Jake and I'm going to do this. And then it's going to come down to crackdown time. And you're both going to have hyper efficiency lists on Naboo and it's going to be a dog fight. And we both know that it's going to happen and we're going to stop lying to ourselves because you're going to talk yourselves out of that jank and we're not going to have this jank off. I can just feel it in the air. I don't know. I mean, like, look, the, here's the thing at a minimum we have to bluff like we're gonna bring jank right it's like you know i'm gonna be like look man i'm bringing jank what are you bringing? i gotta keep him on his toes because if because if i let him just bring what he thinks is the best list because he thinks i'm gonna bring the best list but th- th- this is the compounding factor here is that i think that if there was a best list or a best couple of lists right now we would probably just play them the thing is it's not real clear what those things well, are right now um, well that, that's my follow-up question is what even is jank right now do we know that i i mean like you know i like there are mark. clearly some <laughs> lists like i so i i have i have been experimenting with a lot of different things uh the most fun list i've played recently was triple flame rt t, double t47 which i think you can confidently say is jank Right. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. The thing is, I know you like that list, right? So like, <laughs> like, chances are I bring a rocket launcher or two, you know? <laughs> um, I'm und- I haven't lost the game with it. Yeah, so, I mean... I the chess game starts! The chess game starts. <laughs> and this is the thing, you know, and I gotta say, like, um, I don't know, like, what the RNG numbers are, but I'm pretty confident with like some margin of certainty here that there are three players from the Nova region that play in Invader League. It's me, you, and Stevens. I th- I think that's pretty much it. D- Gordon didn't sign up this time, did he? I don't think so. Okay. So I would like to point out that last season, Stevens was in my round robin group. This season, you're in my round robin group. And, I feel like the you, odds of that are very, very small. And then you played Stevens in single limbs, didn't you? I did. I did. Um, <laughs> so, like, well, at least in single e limbs last season, you and I ended up on opposite sides of the bracket. That's totally fair. We did not see each other in single e limbs, and we both made it pretty far into the bracket. So, like, that definitely could have happened. Um, I mean, I, I think the only place we could have met was the final. Yes, totally. Like it, it yeah, was like we were literally on opposite sides of the bracket. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was lucky. It was. I mean, it was a coin flip, right? Um, yeah. Once we got there, but yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, it's going to be an interesting Invader League season. You know, there's definitely, you know, it's very possible one of us or both of us don't make it out of this group. You know, um, which would suck. Um, but uh, you know, looking forward to it. I uh, I will say, I feel like, and Kyle, you can tell me if I'm wrong here. I think I feel like I have a little bit of an advantage, in that you're very good in matchups that you know. But if I throw something at you that you don't know, I feel like in those matchups where like they, like you don't know the matchup, I feel like I am, I'm I'm a little bit better in kind of winging it. <laughs> Oh, you are. Um, I mean, it, I, I think uh, people joke about the whole tactical droid thing with me. But, you know, one of the, if you watch the Clone Wars show, one of the things about the tactical droids is they're always computing all these strategies. And, like, the way to beat them is just, you know, you do an Anakin thing. You just 
shoot from the hip, right? And they're like, this doesn't compute. Why are you charging directly at me? Um, or whatever crazy crap Anakin is pulling. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's I'd say that's appropriate. Yeah, so I'm mean, like, like, I want to just play the best thing, but I also know that if, like, if I get into an efficiency duel with Kyle, like, I'm I generally come out on the bad end of that stick, you know, um, just because like he plays that game very well, and I know he plays that game very well. So maybe I just need to play like triple Mando, Sabine, Operative Luke, and just like run him over with jumping cues, you know? Um, yeah, not not to like not to like keep, like put a like a not that I have a horse in the race here, and, and I'm giving advice here, but what Kyle does best is stays patient even when things go wrong so the way to do that is to overwhelm him where he can't be patient the earlier you make things go wrong because <laughs> the better i've i mean i've seen him i've seen him we've uh, and i say i we've seen him lose a full set of bx commando droids last season in his in his first game and he stayed patient and he stayed with the course he stayed the course and he ended up winning that game because he, he was patient with the whole thing and he didn't back off of his plan and despite losing that unit early he didn't he didn't change a thing right so the key the key is the key is to put your foot on his throat because if he can if he loses patience he loses he, he loses it all the fog the fog comes in right kyle accurate yeah <laughs> it's uh, zach giving all of my opponents strategy advice here um <laughs> yes <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I I'm I'm generally pretty good at avoiding tilt and uh, sticking with my original plan if something goes wrong early. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, to be fair, it's not it's not as easy as the way I just said it to crack that code. You can't simply do that. You cannot simply put your foot on someone's throat in Legion in the way that I put well, it because you were in a position that if you lost those BX unit you were still fine, right? You didn't overextend other units to then start losing the attrition more and more, right? Like, I, I joke that putting, like, like this game was against LJ, right? LJ mm -hmm. could have put his foot on your throat, but he didn't actually have the opportunity to because you only presented that one unit and you didn't present anything else to allow that snowball effect, right? So, yes, I might be throwing out a strategy against you, but it's, it's not as simple as the words coming out of my mouth. Like, the actions behind them are way harder to pull off. Well, I mean, it is possible with certain lists, right? There's a reason I hate Tauntauns, and that's because that's a threat saturation list that just throws everything in your face. I won't lie. I've thought about Tauntauns a lot in the past 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty dog. My lizard nemesis. I'll just run Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing you could do. <laughs> that, that is a thing I could do. Um, Naboo's not a great map for him, though. Uh, why don't we, speaking of that, how about, so I think this would be a great opportunity to sort of talk about the unique format of Invader League and specifically Invader League around Robin. And if this is, whether this is your first time in Invader League or not, um, or even if you're just doing something similar like a, you know, Invader League is very similar to sort of a week by week league. If you just go up to your local store and you play a different game against some random person every week and you can bring whatever you want that week and you might be on a totally different table every week. That's kind of like round Robin is like, except it's more, it's a little more structured in that you have to play specific people. 
you know, it's it's a precursor to like a bracket style format, which is what single elims is. So it's a little bit different, but it's it's very similar in the fact that you can do a different list every week and you're playing a different map every week. Uh, it's very similar to a league in that respect. So whether you're doing round robin or you're doing something like that league, um, this could be useful. But why don't we talk specifically about round robin invader league strategies that differ from a normal convention tournament that you should be using or you can be using to improve your chances. So it's, it's a little harder than normal. Cause right. Originally invader league was faction lock list unlock. So you can at least know what faction you're playing against last season. It was list lock with a little bit of a wild card. And then this season it's full unlock. Right. So it's not like you can kind of like enter this with the same strategy as you have in the past. Um, I guess my advice would be to um, know who your opponents are if you can, right? And understand what factions they may or may not play. Um, I know that a lot of people do play all four factions, but then, you know, there are some people that only play one faction. Um, So you can kind of prepare for it that way. Um, You won't know what they're bringing for a list, but if you have an idea of what faction they play, you can kind of think ahead on it. Um, You know, I've made several comments on the discord about how online legions a lot different than in real life. And this is part of it because you can look at maps ahead of time. And while I'm not the biggest fan of that for a lot of reasons, um, it is part of invader league and you should utilize that um, whether you like it or not. I, I mean, just because I say, I don't like it doesn't mean I don't look at maps when I'm going to play a game, right? Like that they're there, that's part of the game. And, and when you're playing in a tournament, you want to win, right? And how to do that is to um, take a, take take the advantages where they are. And I don't mean that like take advantage in a bad way. I mean, take the advantage that are given to you in the proper way. Um, and looking at maps and figuring out your best approach on maps is probably something you should be doing if you're looking to get out around Robin and get the single limbs, right? So so let's let's break this down into two separate discussion points because there's essentially two separate elements that you touched on there that are sort of integral to how the format works. You know which opponent you're playing and you know specifically which map you're playing that opponent on. And you can look in the mod at those maps. They're all in there for you to use. So let's separate this into map scouting and then opponent scouting. And the latter is still important and useful even though it's full list unlock and they could just play literally anything. Most people don't. Um, but let's let's start with map scouting. Well, before we before we get into the scouting, I I think okay. that like to me, there's kind of like an even uh, something that comes before this the whole scouting thing because I think that for most people, the best choice often is to just play the list that you would play in an elimination style format with. Oh, so, no question. Like, like yeah, like if if you were going to show up to like a normal like Nova or Gen Con or whatever, because um, it, in, unless you feel super confident, like if you feel confident that you can tailor a list and like, and the changes you made are good without a ton of practice and stuff like that. Like you can look at a board and know that you want to switch unit a for unit B 
and like you feel confident that's a good decision and it's going to give you a higher percent win chance like if if you feel like you can make those decisions i feel like the scouting conversation is for you but i want to be clear that if you don't feel like you can make decisions and we're going to teach you a little bit about how to make those decisions today just to be clear but if you feel like you can't make those decisions in an educated fashion you're probably just better off sticking with one list through round robin and and just calling it a day um, maybe make some tweaks based on like how you feel about the list, but I wouldn't, sometimes the scouting thing can be a trap, um, less so in the map department, but more so in the player department, specifically when you, you, there's a lot of complicated stuff there. But anyways, that I just wanted to kick that in there before we got into the scouting stuff, because I think a large majority of the time you should just play the list that you are most comfortable with. Um, and I want to make one point before we shift over, right? If you are playing the same list like Mike is suggesting, which is what I also would suggest, but mainly because I'm a creature of habit myself, is one other thing you might want to do is if you look at your group and you understand who your players are, you have an idea who they are, and what kind of, if they if they like the bid or if they like not to like, you know, if they don't like the bid. And let's say you have like a list that like, let's say it's 796, but you can cut a luxury item in a game against your opponent that you think is going to bid also around 796 and you want to get blue player in that matchup, right? You, that's also another dynamic that it's a little bit part of the scouting, but also if you're bringing the same list and you have a luxury item you can cut and you want blue in a certain matchup against a certain player, contemplate that. And, and, and Mike alluded to that in like making little tweaks and changes, but that's where I would start with my changes if you want blue in a certain matchup. Which kind of goes hand in hand with map scouting, which Kyle, I'm sure you're going to get to next. Yeah, I mean, I do think we you have to be careful about bids because the, it is full unlock, and that's probably the easiest thing for an opponent to change is their bid. So, um, you know, I, I would I would assess your list from a bidding perspective. I would assess what you think a good bid is, sort of neutral opponent opponent neutral, if that makes sense. Um, just because that's so easy to change and they could easily then also cut something and then you just cut something for no reason and you're still going to lose the bid. So, um, but yeah, definitely, you know, the best list is the one you're most comfortable with. Um, if scouting produces some kind of revelation about something that your opponent is playing or some unit type or something that's good or bad on a map, if that's a unit type that you're comfortable with, you know, maybe tweak your list a little bit to put it in there. But if you're not, don't, you know, don't throw a unit on the table or a faction on the table that you've never played before. Um, usually doesn't work that well. So, uh, yeah, the best list is the one you're comfortable with. All right, let's talk about map scouting first. Um, so, so I think th this one is the easier of the two um, by a significant margin. And I think that um, this, you know... I most this season it's a little bit different i think because the maps are much more standardized they're a lot more like you can kind of count on line of sight blockers you can also count on like a saber tank being able to roll through most areas of the maps you know um you know the the it's it's all very like tournament-esque and traditionally that has not been the case in invader league just to be clear um, who is the reason I bring it up. Um, so I, I think that, um, 
this season specifically, um, you can kind of, I don't think map scouting is a huge deal. I think normally speaking, um, if you go back to like last invader season, um, there was one with a bunch of trenches on it. And like, maybe you want, you know, if you wanted to just like kit a bunch of units out with like Ascension cables and stuff, or, you know, make sure that you like uh, Mandos were not legal, I think, um, last invader season, but like on a map like that, I would have been like, if I was playing rebels and I was normally not playing mandos i would have been like all in on mandos on that board because jumping like over them and through them and like down into them and all that sort of thing um i I think mostly what you're looking for here is can tanks fit you know that's that's a big one you know is the map super crowded to a point where i should or should not bring tanks because not only does it inform the choice that you should bring a tank or not, but it also informs how much anti-armor you should hedge against against a random opponent, right? Like, if tanks are really bad on a map because they can't move around, chances are you shouldn't even, like, really worry about bringing impact um, because if they do bring a tank, it's probably not going to be very good. You might not even need to kill it. Um, Whereas if the map is more standard, like the ones we have now, like you're probably still going to need to like hedge against that against a standardized opponent. So, um, I, I think that's big. I also think that, um, you know, if, if we were in a little bit more wonky map style invader league, you know, it j- the jump is a big deal. Scale is a big deal. Those two keywords are the ones that I think that you should consider flexing to the most. Um, specifically since we've got so many units now that are kind of common, more common that you can add to your list. Like, you know, if you're, if you were running like double arcs last season, like if, if you ran into a map, there was a bunch of trenches, you could conceivably throw jetpacks on them. Right. And like all of a sudden you're equipped to handle that situation. Um, so I, you know, and, and I think Ascension cables is a very, interesting tool to to be able to handle that sort of thing generally as well so um those would be my main two bullet points when looking at maps it's it's also like good to look at like blue deployment zones and stuff um but to me that section of the equation generally enters more into the player scouting than the map scouting because knowing what side you want is not super helpful if you don't know you're going to be blue player um so, I will. Oh no! Go ahead, Kyle. I just, with respect to that one thing specifically, I think you should assume that you're going to be blue player and just scout the map in advance anyway, and decide like if you're blue player, which side you you want to pick. Yeah. Both because you can spend more time doing it and make a better decision, but also just to be kind of courteous to your opponent, so you're not spending like ten minutes before the match starts trying to figure out which side you want. Don't worry, Kyle. You know? I'm going to spend twenty. <laughs> um, so. That brings me to my point, which, well, I wasn't going to get to this point, but since you guys alluded to it, um, one of the most important skills in Legion on a real table is making these split-second decisions on these boards and figuring out what side you want. Now, you have the tools to your advantage to look at these maps ahead of time. Um, So I'm going to give you my perspective from how I would approach it. Um, I would play the same list through round, uh, round robin. Um, I'm a creature of habit. I would maybe make some tweaks for bidding. That's about it. Um, I know what my battle deck would be. Okay. And 
if you listen to this cast every week, you know, I play a Jedi. Okay. So this is, I'm going to break, basically break down how I would scout a map if I were playing Invader League, which I'm not right now. But if I was playing the season, I'd be bringing the same, li- same list and I would look at these maps this way. I would first look at it from blue player's perspective. And I would, I, since I know what my battle, battle deck is and I know what deployments I have, I can visualize where the battle could possibly take place and I can visualize where Obi-Wan would be moving across the battlefield, which is super important for if I want to succeed in playing this list with Obi-Wan. I need to know where to put him. I need to not have like a game plan because you can never have a game plan. You always have to have an open-ended game plan. You can't just go in with one game plan. But you need to have approach vectors that make sense for your list and you need to make sure that if you are blue, you pick the right side for that list. Conversely, when you're going through these motions, um, approach it as if you are now a red player, right? Reverse it on yourself and say, if I was red player on this map and let's say my opponent picks this side, how would I approach my player, my blue opponent from this side of the map? Um, like Mike kind of alluded to, these maps don't necessarily have a obvious blue side, which is a very good thing. And I think that's important that these maps don't have like obvious blue sides and it could change in an instant. But if you have this practice where you're starting on one side is blue and then checking the other side is red, you're still going to come with the same outcome, whether you're blue or red on that side of the table, um, depending on what happens with bids and who picks what side. And, and it, like, if you're planning to be blue and you are visualizing what's happening on blue, but your opponent's blue, but chooses the side that you think would be red, you have a game plan for blue. You just don't have a game plan uh, or a visualized game plan. And I'm putting these in quotes because, again, you don't want a, a complete game plan. But you have a visualized game plan of what you might do. You just don't know what their battle deck is. So you might have to make some shifts. Let's say you don't bring battle lines, and they bring battle lines. Like, sure, you might not have looked at the map that way. That's fine. But you have an idea of where those pieces of terrain are ahead of time. And you, even if you didn't look at that approach vector before, you have the approach vector you can probably figure out quicker than you would in a normal game where you didn't get to scout the map at all. Um, if you are bringing a sniper heavy list, um, I actually think that's where scouting a map is most important. Um, I know that sounds a little crazy, um, but sometimes when you get to a map in real life or on TTS and you get into a deployment situation, you actually don't have any good spots to deploy your second sniper. And what I mean by second sniper is your second sniper model and to make sure that they're corner peeking to make sure they're not getting killed. And if you have a good idea of what side you'll be on or what the map looks like, you can find spots that are good for your snipers to one, be able to engage and two, be able to hide that second miniature, which is super important. Um, It's not as cut and dry as that, but you want to be looking for those spots for those snipers. If you are bringing up sniper list. Um, Other than that, that's how I would approach it because I would bring the same list and I would bring the same battle deck and I would just look at every map and just kind of look ahead of what could possibly happen and find spots for Obi-Wan and my snipers to go basically. Yeah. I mean, beyond just like tailoring a specific list or a specific battle deck to a map, there are a lot of things that you can and should look at in advance and just be prepared to have kind of in your brain and you hit on most of them, right. Approach factors. So you know, ways to get to or around the middle via line of sight blockers, um, important line of sight blockers that you'll be able to hide your stuff behind um, firing lanes. So 
you know, for example, Naboo is one of the five maps in the in the uh, round robin pool. If you look at that map, you will see that there are two extremely long, pretty much map length lanes that go from short edge to short edge along the table. And very quickly, you'll see that those are good places for things like snipers and AATs. And there's not really, you know, the, if you're playing short edge to short edge, the, the center has these two like very large squarish line of sight blockers immediately off center, like towards the short edges. So there's really no way to access the middle from the short edges, except via one of those two extremely long lanes. Um, so if you're looking at that map, you might be like, all right, regardless of what I'm playing, I have to know about these firing lanes and the fact that regardless of which side I pick, like this is where most of the action is going to take place. Um, so things like that, just looking at approach vectors, you know, line of sight blockers that are going to be important ways that you can flank those line of sight blockers from both sides of the table, stuff like that. Yeah. I, I alluded to one of your games earlier, but there was another one that I think Mike and I might've streamed. Um, and you were playing against an empire list uh, with your droid list last season. And there was a building towards the middle and, and we kind of knew this on stream. It was a spot where you wanted Dooku to go. And because of that, because of your Dooku having, and this is super not pertinent, but also pertinent, right? Your Dooku had saber throw and you, you turn, turned his one pip into a saber throw lightning, like alpha strike. And then you were able to move him behind this building where he was never going to be attacked for the rest of that round. And it was like a clear cut case where you knew you were going to be blue in that game, which obviously you don't have that information this season, right? But for the sake of the, the discussion, you knew you were going to be blue and you knew that that building was key to your success. And, and, and you knew that going into the game. And that's because you looked at the map beforehand. Um, it was, it was no accident that Dooku ended up in that position. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It was like the only line of sight blocker in the center of the table. And I'm like, if I'm going to have a shot here against an empire gun line with Dooku, I need to find a way for the fight to be around that building. Um, and that was my plan was to basically get Dooku behind that building and make it such that, you know, veto cards and so and stuff and turn zero so that he had to pass that building. And we ended up, I think it was payload third slot. So I basically, I got lucky a little bit, but I basically vetoed the payload. And then based on where he put his payload, I put the, the destination terrain piece immediately, you know, such that he had to go right past that building. Um, and then I just like zeroed in on it with Dooku and uh, he couldn't get past it because Dooku was on the other side of it. So, um, yeah, exactly. You want to, it, it helps if you clearly like you can have these thoughts in the middle of a game, but it helps if you look at a map in advance, just so you kind of like create the, the pre paths in your brain. Um, yeah. Again, those... Like don't go in with plan a and plan a only. Yeah. Like, don't, like I know you didn't go into that game saying Duku has to get to that building. No. I don't win this game. Like that was not the mindset. Right. But you at least looked at the map and knew that if you get if you put yourself in a position to get to that building, you had a better chance if you didn't. Yeah, it was like it was like if I can set up a situation where he's got to pass this building and I can get Dooku to it, I'm gonna be in good shape. Yeah. It wasn't like that was the only way I was gonna win, but yep, exactly. So yeah, just look at stuff like that generally with the map. Um, we're not gonna talk specifically about all five maps, but please, please look at in the the, the link for the maps is posted in the Invader League chat. Uh, they are off the top of my head. Uh, Kessel, Scarif, 
uh, Naboo Fugly Industrial Complex and uh, Outpost 41. So, and as Mike said, they're all pretty quote unquote standard tournament maps with, you, you look at them and they would look like a real table basically as far as how the terrain is laid out. So it um, shouldn't be anything too crazy but still useful to look at those. They are all slightly different from each other, so. All right, should we move on to player scouting? I feel like this one is a lot. This this is gonna sound weird, but this one is, to me, this is less important. I, I, I think that it's not that it's less important. It's just that the format of the season makes it less important. And what I mean by that is you really don't know what anyone could bring. You could have an idea but it could change from game to game. Like there really are people that play four factions. Like they, like that's not out of the realm of possibility. And um, you just can't plan for everything. And, and that's why, like, I know it's not list locking, but I would bring the same list because of that. Like I would be approaching a tournament that I would want to win that a list that could handle everything. Right. Um, It's, it's tough. Like, it also like also understanding who your opponent is means that you also have to be active on discord all the time too. Right. You might not even know, like some people might be playing invader league and might not even be active on the discord. They just kind of lurk and not really. And that's fine. Like I'm not, I'm not shaming them, but I'm just saying they might not have the information that I might have as an admin, right? Let's say if I was playing, I know pretty much most of the people that are in invader league are on the discord because I'm always on it, trying to sift through information and make sure the channels are clean and everything like that but I'm always in there looking at stuff. So I might know how to tailor against someone more than anyone, you know, more than someone else because they're not, they're not on the discord enough to know. So, so like player tailoring could come down to kind of paying attention to how other games go against your opponents in the bracket. Like you might hear some discussion in your, you know, everyone sets up discords, like the judges set the discords. Maybe they talk about a post game and you can kind of get an idea of what uh, they played. And well, hang on. Let's, so let's, let's talk about one thing about the format real quick before we continue this conversation. Yeah. After a player, after pl- two players play a game, both of their lists will be posted on the, on the group server. Oh, I think I do that. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I um, mean... So you won't, you won't have to like, go to great lengths to scout that thing specifically. Um, And that's, that's partly to, I mean, there's, there's several reasons for that. The first is just to make sure that uh, the lists that the players sent to the judges is the one they actually played in the game. Um, That's the primary reason for it. Uh, It's also so that, you know, there's not like a disincentive to have a game streamed. Yeah. Because if you have a game streamed, then your list is out there. We're essentially putting it out there regardless of whether it's or not. Like, yep, everything. Yeah. So, um, all that information will be in the group Discord. Yeah, I think um, uh, we could talk about the format some other day. But <laughs> like, as far as like, ooh, what's warranted, what's not, I've, yeah, I feel this, this I feel very the... certain types of ways about the whole thing. <laughs> but but what I was gonna that aside, um, I disagree with you entirely, Zach. I think player scouting is the most important thing you could possibly do. Um, I think that was me that said that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, I, Kyle, like, I, I think I it's disagree. Imp- with I think you, it's Kyle. important. Uh, I think it's I just think it's watered down. Thing you could possibly do. I, I think I, it's important. I just think it's less important than map scouting. But continue your yeah, your so, point here. And I and I think that um you know 
so uh it's interesting i didn't actually know lists were going to be posted so that's that's nice to know uh, that wasn't maybe i missed it but that i don't think that was super advertised um in any case i think th- i'm actually i'm anyways uh sorry i'm i'm having initial feelings because i'm learning that information as we're on this cast uh, <laughs> uh so um i actually think i don't like that um i think but I think what it allows you to do is that if you see someone has played a list like three times in a row, you can just tell your list to beat the hell out of them. And I have a problem with that. Um, but in in the sense that I, I, I think that that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do, and that's why I think that this is so important. Before, you had to go and you had to like watch each stream that they were playing. Um, last season was different because lists were locked and you had like a wild card, um, and, and, and like you kind of knew what everybody was doing ahead of time, and everybody had to lock in at the same time. Now you've got a wild card literally be- behind every match, but I think that the people that are playing the same list every game are actually heavily um hurt by these rules yeah. and and I think that that's a that's a problem with the format but I think that people should probably change up their list if that's the case that these lists are being advertised because um player scouting is a thing um if you think that before when you know uh lists weren't so public you know your opponents didn't like dm each other prior to games and try and get a little intel and stuff like people did that all the time that you know like hey what did so and so play you know two weeks ago what should i expect like now it's just turned up to 11 because lists are public and you can wildcard between every game so um if you're playing if you played the same list like three times in a row, maybe, you know, um, if you've got an opponent that you think is a little bit le- more lethal or a little bit more that you, that you know is going to be a little bit more, you know, go for the throaty, you should maybe think about swapping it up. Um, I don't know. I It's tough because I think that um, the format really, really incentivizes just watching for common threads between your opponent did did your opponent play three factions but always play a jedi great now you know you you have you have an idea of what they're gonna play right they played three factions or they played one or two factions but they always bring a tank great i'm bringing impact like it's more than just bringing the same list and i think that um i don't know you really you gotta do it it, it, it's a little harder and i think it incentivizes people to play their games late as well um like i i wouldn't normally say this like because last season it didn't matter but i would say if you can play all your games within the last two weeks you should do it um if you can wait until your opponents play their games so you have an idea of what they're doing if you're gonna try and use this information um you know the judges and stuff may say that you know try not to do that i know that we've got one or two judges in here right now so so you know well take take what i'm saying with a grain of salt i am not a judge um but well but before before you continue there is a hard requirement that you play two games by february 8th no doubt and and everybody's got to play those two games i get it but i'm playing those games on like february 6th and 7th if i can you know like and and then I'm going to, I'm going to look at what everybody else is playing, you know? Um, and so, uh, I think, I don't know. I don't know how to really talk about it without being butthurt about the whole thing, but, um, that's my problem. Sorry guys. (laughs) I, I, I do think it's, 
clearly the format in many ways incentivizes players that can and do play a number of different types of lists, which is primarily veterans. Um, I've made this point in the main discord. Uh, I think that's obvious. Um, whether that's a feature or a bug or not, I think is depends on your perspective, but regardless, that is the format that we're working with. Um, so yeah, make sure that you're, you're keeping tabs on the lists that are being posted on your server, but also like, don't expect people to play the same thing from game to game, even in the situation you describe where someone has a consistent trend across multiple games. If you tailor too hard to counter that thing, it's possible that they pull a gotcha on you and play something completely different, and then you made a skew list for a list that you're not playing against. No doubt, so, and 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 yeah. that's gonna happen. You know, it's the whole yeah. like poker bluffing thing, right? You know, yeah. Um, and yeah, my my advice is if you get hard countered by someone, don't get salty and and cause a negative play experience. Um, I know that might be hard in the moment because. Um, you know, like you're working towards something and, and you're, let's say you're playing the same list and someone tries to tailor to it, you know, to it. I, I, my advice would just be um, keep a level head. I, I, and that, and I'm only saying that because in any kind of competition, it is, it is very easy to get tilted. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, for crying out loud, I think the number one source of divorce in, in, in the, the world is monopoly for Christ's sake. Okay. Because strategies and monopolies and and you get into arguments with your wife we talked about it before in the cast like monopoly is a terrible game zach I'm there, just, there, there is know. no strategy in monopoly it's basically I'm just i'm i'm mainly i'm mainly making a joke about anyway. being about being tilted yeah yeah i got and you. not and staying level-headed even in situations where you might get hot um because list tailoring is a part of the season and and you just have to go with the flow um, and so that is my, my, my advice on this aspect. Other things you can do besides just keeping tabs on what lists are being posted on your, uh, group discord is searching that player's name on the main discord and see what, you know, a lot of people spitball lists, ideas and other things on the main discord. So, um, you know, check those out. If they're consistently posting the same kinds of lists, that might be indicative of what they're going to play. Clearly, you know, as we already said, don't assume that's what they're going to play. Um, but it's still useful information for you. So it's also a really easy thing to do. If it's like a, somebody that you have like never heard of before, just look at their faction tag in discord. Like that should be, give you kind of an idea of like, hmm what to expect right like if they're faction tagged rebels in discord or whatever chances are you're gonna see some rebels on the table i mean i don't know um yeah yeah although you can have multiple faction tags i have all four faction tags so. oh really i don't <laughs> yeah i don't know how to get multiple faction tags that must be a new a, a newer thing I, I don't think it strips like when you change your when you put request a faction tag in there it doesn't yeah, like it doesn't strip your old you one do- you can do all um, of them. Interesting. And then I think there is an option to do all rather than click. <laughs> I think that's what I did. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm faction tagged as rebels and all apparently, which seems wrong. Um, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, that's so. I don't don't change it. Don't change it. <laughs> it's probably the faction like people, I play the least. It's not like people yeah. listen to this podcast and know what you play, the, Mike. We the, can hide it. You can bluff. It's fine. The counterintelligence uh, operation begins. Um, yeah, uh, so it's search the main Discord. There is also a Legion ladder that a lot of uh, people play on, especially the veterans. 
you can actually look, someone described this method to me earlier and I can't remember how to do it, but there is a way where you can actually view the match history and look at the notes from the matches where people put in essentially what list they played. So check out the ladder website and look at the match history with the notes in there. Um, yeah. I think as far as like how to, that's the primary ways. Clearly, if they have some kind of podcast or, uh, or other content creator, you can listen to that <laughs> and see what they talk about. Um, the main advice is to just have fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, that is, that is, at the end this of the is, day, take, I shouldn't say just have fun, right? Take what you want to get out of this tournament. Like, yeah, if, if your objective is just to learn, cool. That's I mean, like, this is not supposed to be like a, you should win at all costs kind of discussion. You this talk is, to yourself over there. <laughs> I'm just saying this is a this is a discussion centered around the fact that Invader League has a very unique format that's extremely different from a normal convention tournament. And these are the things that you can do to help you win more games potentially in this particular format. Um, so yeah. Please don't take this as a try hards are us kind of discussion. Um, even though it probably sounds a like well, that. I mean, and I, I think I just I think that it is somewhat important to realize what the tryhards are doing because because there are people out there that are doing these things, you know. Um, you, you know, for me, it kind of depends on the day and how I'm feeling. Um, <laughs> sometimes I, bet- I go into Invader League and I haven't looked at the maps at all. Sometimes, uh, you know, yeah, and but to be fair, that is. A case-by-case situation. It is, but the, but there you know? are a handful of players, often ones that make elims, that do a lot of what we're talking about regularly, 1,000%. right? Like, yep. you know, um, the map scouting and the player scouting is a huge part of round robin. There's a reason um, outside of skill, not that their skill isn't helping, but, like, that people are doing preparation for these matches. You know, people 5-0 groups regularly, you know, and it, a lot of times it's the same people. Um, you know, we'll see four one or five oh a group, uh, you know, season after season after season. Um and they take it seriously. And, you know, if 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 you're in a group with Kyle Dornbos, you know, maybe maybe you need to be concerned about, you know, people map scouting and get it, you know, they're they're gonna get it right, you know. Um at least when I, it comes to I will to the fully map admit scouting. I will fully admit to doing everything that we have just talked about. Well, not only that, <laughs> every like, every season, all the way back to season two. I feel particularly so. disadvantaged this season against you because you made half the maps, you know. <laughs> I, you know so, so whatever. Uh, but but um, you know, hey, it's not my fault they picked them. I know. I you know. know. I, I'm really not super salty about it. I yeah, play I on know. tables you made all the time. Um, but you know th- these are a li- these are things you can do to gain an advantage sometimes they're going to bite you i promise you as someone who was firsthand uh there to watch stevens drop the tank um, he he brought to Nova, nah, yeah, to Nova, um, because he knew the tables were going to be cruddy. And then round two, they dropped a bunch of extra terrain on the table, and it was absolutely horrible. Um, and he kind of flunked out there. Um, sorry, Stevens, but that story was amazing to watch in person. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, they had so essentially there was like a box or many boxes of terrain somewhere sitting on a cart. This is the story of Nova Open. Uh, and they didn't know it, 
So they set out the terrain that they had, which was not much, on their 32 tables. And, you know, of course, people took pictures of them. Uh, I showed up. Luckily, I, I brought Palpatine sort of because I didn't have any other cards in my holders. And I left my binders at the store that we had played the previous. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He, he sent out an emergency text message the night before. He was like, guys, I don't know where my stuff is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I had Palpatine in my binders, so that was my list. It was the last list I played, I practiced with, uh, and that was what I was going to play. So when I showed up and there was like no terrain on the tables, I was like, "All right, I'm. I guess this is. I'm going to have to make this work." And then between between rounds one and two, they found the uh, boxes of terrain in question, and they put them on the tables, which. You know, given the circumstances, like it's better to have terrain oh, than to not have terrain. It was definitely the right call. It's just Stevens had like looked yeah, at the yeah. tables ahead of time and shotgunned a list with a tank because he knew yep. it was going to be good. You know, and then he couldn't get around when <laughs> yeah. he actually played. Yeah, yeah, it was um, horrible. I've, you know, it is what. It and is. Palpatine turned out to be pretty good when they dropped all these giant line of sight blockers on the table. <laughs> Although some of them were like so big that it was because they were forty k sized yeah, line of sight blockers, were... basically, um, like. You can't, you know, it would take Palpatine like three turns just to get from one side of that line of sight blocker to the other. So some of those were less than ideal. But anyway, yeah, that's a Moral long way of story. saying it Moral can bite story. you. Yeah. Moral story that you guys are getting at is that's going to bite you. Moral story I'm going to get to is that there's always going to be disgruntled uh, players one way or another. Yeah. Oh, totally. You know, but so, I mean, yeah. You know, like there's, there's never a completely right answer is what I'm getting at, right? Whether they left those tables open and Stevens enjoyed his tank or whether they left them open and Kyle did not enjoy his time with Palpatine, or they put the terrain down and Stevens hates those maps and Kyle loves those maps. Like, no matter where you play, no matter what tournament it is, whether it's Invader, Yavin, uh, Gen Con, uh, this, that, the other thing, whatever it is, no one's, no one, it's never going to be 100% happiness from everyone, right? Um, so yeah. take, take that as you will into Invader League as well. Well, and before, it's because we do actually have a, Un, un invader league related strategy discussion to get to. So before we get to that, let me just sort of one final point on this list learning scouting aspect of invader league and just how I approach it. Um, I don't generally play like crazy skews in invader. I'll use this information to do what Mike described earlier, which is take a list or a list style that I'm comfortable with and just make small tweaks. Like if I think my opponent's going to be bringing armor, I might swap out a normal heavy weapon for a rocket launcher. Or if, if a map has a lot of height terrain on it, I might swap out, you know, my uh, whatever normal, like I might swap out my normal focus piece unit for like a Sabine or something like that. But the rest of my list is going to be pretty much the same. So um, that's just how I view this personally. I don't do like crazy skews based on what my opponent is bringing uh, or what the map's going to be, except Mike, obviously, which will be a, clearly a crazy skew. It's going to be crazy. That you will never expect. Um, it's gonna come. It's gonna come at you from the top rope. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see, Kyle. We'll see. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. So that's how I I do this. Um. I have done all of the things that we just talked about, but I don't generally do it to make drastic changes to my list or my style. Um. More as a FYI type small tweak thing than um, because you're at least from my perspective, you're less likely to be bit that way. Then if you do like some crazy skew and then your opponent anticipates it and does a 180 on their list and then you've just brought a bunch of counters for something they don't have. Um, so, yeah. 
Any final thoughts on this topic, gentlemen? Um, you know, just uh, I, I think that like as much as I have talked about like don't play the same list, I, I've said two radically different things in both segments of this. Um, <laughs> but but I do think that you know if you don't if you're unsure, just play what you're normally gonna play, and you'll you know, you'll be better off. Um, but well, well, and the concept of an all rounder list that's difficult to skew against kind of still exists to some degree. So, yeah, I, I do think that like, you know, with, with the points adjustments and stuff, like it's, it's, if somebody, if you're playing like a, like a clones list, like people, people can come at you with, you know, a ton of Pierce and sharpshooter and really try and mess you up unless you're doing something very specific. Um, so, you know, and, and I think that, you know, if you're playing droids, like people are going to bring flamers and stuff, you know, um, so just be on the lookout for that sort of thing. But, but if you bring B2s instead of B1s, then that will have been a uh, poor decision. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe at the end of all of this, the crux of the advice I have to give is don't have one list that you're good with. Have two or three. You don't need to be, like, flexing into, like, super jank, but, like, just just have, like, two or three lists that that you can kind of flex to if you think somebody is going to, you know punch you in the face because you've been playing you know b1 spam and you think they're going to bring atrt flamers to the next match and so yeah flex to b2s if that's something you know how to play but i should i would encourage you to figure out how to play it before you put it on the table i guess would be be my yeah totally and if you don't then just throw some rocket launchers on your b1s you know all right so we do have a strategy topic today. We promised we would talk about <laughs> the most amazing card command upgrade in the game, and that is Vigilance. Overrated. I don't think it's overrated, but I, I let's talk about don't. let's talk about what what it does first. During the end phase, choose either one friendly trooper unit at range one to two, or up to two friendly core trooper units at range one to two. Each chosen unit does not remove one dodge token. Five points command upgrade. All right, so first of all, before we get into the implications of this, why do you think this is overrated, Mike? I, I well, Two-part two question. Why do you think this is overrated? And part two, have you actually tried a clone list with vigilance and situational awareness spam? So the answer to... Uh, you put them in the wrong order, Kyle. I'm sorry. <laughs> the answer to number two is yes. Okay. Um. That's the short answer. Uh, so, in my experience, look, dodging crits is great. There's no doubt about it. Like, I, I get it. However, I think it is pretty marginal the vast majority of the time. The amount of time, and, and I think that this is kind of compounded by the fact that people feel like this is great because there's a lot of crit pro- proliferation right now. I get that. I'm... I'm not sold that tax strike is going to be the end all be all that people are trying to avoid for the rest of everywhere. But I do think that the strategy is pretty good against it. I think that it's, it's very good against marksmen generally. Um, it's very good against critical generally, which is really what those empire lists are, do, are doing these days. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the, the crit proliferation is, is a big, deal in regards to this but but i think 
more often than not, the lists you are going to be fighting, there's going to be plenty of hits in those pools for you to dodge. And and I think that the idea that this this whole the vigilance plus situational really gets you to a place where um you're i don't know i i just i i i don't believe it fundamentally like vigilance is not doing the saturation um like clone token sharing dodges are already super good the fact that you get to hold like one or two is fine but like kind of unnecessary um i don't know i so, I'm gonna disagree with you via anecdote. I mean, i I get the I get the anecdotal stuff. I just, I don't know. I'm I'm not in I'm not in for it. I think that this is particularly good against like lists that um, are not very good at throwing a large amount of damage. But those lists are like pretty bad anyways these days. Like this list is not good against things that have you know hit you with eight to 10 die pool hits like consistently and i don't know that's how I'm well, in that let me let me put it this way it's it's not any better than the same list with like out vigilance situational like i i think the extra 20 points you're spending to like situational awareness all your dudes and take vigilance it could be spent elsewhere and it would be fine and you're giving up valuable training and command slots for things that you, those lists need. So I'm gonna so I'm gonna disagree, but let's let's first talk about what specifically what situational awareness is good against and what it's not good against, and then go on to why vigilance kind of turns that up to eleven. So you wow. mentioned situational good awareness is good against crits, right? Now there are pools that rely on small pools that rely on critical to get through. And there are actually a lot of those in the game, most notably arc strike teams, um, T21Bs, uh, almost anything in that empire list that you talked about, um, DLT20s, um, most droid weapons, E5Cs included, because if you're, you know, the average number of hits for an E5C is three. So Either you're crit fishing with an E5C if you're shooting at something in heavy cover, or you're trying to push through that third, maybe fourth hit. And it's a nine dice pool. So something in that pool is typically a crit. Um, so those are those are all things that are extremely prevalent in the meta. And that's just off the top of my head. Uh, clearly, there are things that they're not good against, right? High velocity. So that includes AATs, um, Cassian, and Clone Wars snipers, primarily. Um, and Aiden with her sniper rifle. But um, the reason that this kind of turns it up to 11, specifically for clones, I think, I think there's great uses to this in Rebels too, um, but Rebels can only get like roughly one dodge per unit. So you're still, those large dice pools, it's still not super helpful against. But at least with clones, since you can kind of suck up all the dodges from everywhere to eat an attack, um, not only does it work against like the small crit pools, it also works against the big pools. And I actually played, um, uh, last weekend I played Luke Cook, who was running uh, a list that he came up with, which is like 11 activation clones with double vigilance and every unit has situational awareness. And I played, we were sort of stress testing this concept. I played B2s with HAs 
to try and see like just can I just slam these dodge tokens with as much dice, which is much cover ignoring dice as possible and see if I could just strip all the dodges with ridiculous range two pools. And at least in that game, the answer was no, because after the first turn, he had double vigilance. So he started like primed with four dodges. And then every turn thereafter, he was dodging with at least four units a turn. You know, that list has two clone commanders in it. So there's two. Um, it's got R2D2. So there's another one via calculate. Uh, and it's got a naked phase one. So that's like minimum four. And that's if none of your arcs in phase twos are also dodging. So um, I basically found that like it was so much effort to plow through those four plus dodges that he was starting every turn with. Once I finally did that, he was still rolling, you know, one to two red saves at the end of these giant pools. And I just, I couldn't kill anything. I killed one arc strike team the entire game. And it was only because I caught them away from the dodge castle. Um, so it ended up like it was not a particularly offensively strong list either. I think he killed he killed one strike team and one B2. Um, but it was enough because I was playing a 10 activation list and he was playing an 11. Um, it was enough to do the job. And like I was very surprised by how durable it was, even when I took even when I took something that is kind of designed to just plow through as much paint as possible. Um, and it, so let, let me I I think that what I'm trying to say or what I was trying to say was that I don't think that list is better than just taking like six offensive pushes and just blowing your enemy off the table. Like like I don't think those lists do damage. Like if you want to like just castle up, like I think that's fine, but like clones are not particularly scary if they're not doing damage. I don't know. Like I mean, you can you can still load up with aims too. All all four of those units that I mentioned, in addition to generating a dodge, are also generating aim. Sure, but right? your Cause... your point there was that he his list like felt a lot less lethal, and I think that you, what you're doing is you're taking well, was... away the the clone's main thing, which is like killing you, um, you know, efficiently and quickly, and and kind of transferring it into this dodge thing, which I guess that's fine, but at the end of the day, like. You know, you you were also playing B two spam. You had to close to range two to really like do anything. Like, he should have been able to just kill you by the time you got there. Like, and and the fact that you were able to take shots at all. Like, I would much rather have dealt with your list by making it so that you never got to range two to shoot me because all your droids were dead. Like, and and like that's not impossible. Um, you know, I think that's with, with clanker. I mean, I guess he didn't have clankers because he was just playing generics. Well, right? well, it's not just about range, though. At least, I mean, we were actually playing on Naboo with those long lanes, and I was able to um, hide my B2s based on the approach angles until we were close to each other. Like, if he had had clankers, it would not have allowed him to get shots that he wouldn't wasn't taking. Totally, but at like, least in that situation. But like a standard clone list, even without clankers, could easily blow a B2 unit off the table every turn. Like, like hands down, you know, stack 10 aim tokens, a Z6 walks around the corner and just sinks an entire unit of B2s because the armor one doesn't matter, right? Like, and, and, I don't know. Um, Yeah. Well, I think that both of you are right, if that's possible. Um, I think there's some sort of happy middle ground here that, um, kind of works. Like I understand that clones need to be lethal for them to probably be at their best, but I can also see where them being super defensive is kind of annoying because you can actually tailor that deck to like 
to I'm assuming he had some sort of a bid or maybe not. I don't know, actually. Uh, so he did not have it. That's the one problem with the list. But yeah. there are there are other ways to do it where you have a bid. There's also there's also ways to do it with Obi-Wan. There's ways to do it with Anakin. Um, I, think, I think if you want to stack vigilance with with situational awareness, and this is just kind of spitballing off the discussion, is you probably want to bring some sort of a bid because you're going to be playing a defensive clone list rather than an offensive clone list. And there are definitely some you know, deployments and some objectives that fit that mold better. Um, so if, yeah, if, if I had like a bombing run list, he would have been screwed. Yeah. yeah. So while I agree that that list has the chance to be very, very good um, since it's red, I think it has a lot of shortcomings, which I can understand. I can see where Mike is coming from on that approach. Right. Um, what I want to bring up is the fact that, and I know that the devs have spoken about this and, and, and Kyle and Mike, I've said it to you guys is that this shouldn't even be a thing. This list, this card should say rebels only because it feels like it's meant to buff rebels and inadvertently buffed clones in the sense of this, of this list. Right. And I know that's never going to be a thing, so I'm not even trying to homebrew it. Okay. Um, but like you can stack Obi-Wan with barrier and like defensive stance and maybe even some, um, portable scanners in a list and make sure that Obi-Wan is never losing a dodge token. And that seems kind of ridiculous. Um, I, I feel like this card is actually really meant for Luke Skywalker. Yeah, no, uh, I agree with you, Zach. I think that and, this card is way better on force users than anything. Else. Well, yeah. Yeah. So with it, like there are ways, there are a lot of ways. That's just the first thing, right? That's one way to do it is the clone, clone dodge castle. There are a lot of ways to use this card that are extremely significant. So let, why don't we talk about those ways before, rather than like speculating about which lists are better than other lists. But let's, Kyle, let's talk that about, one is trash. I'm telling you. <laughs> let, let's talk about all the different ways that you can utilize vigilance. And I, I will say, I think this is primarily, why don't we kind of narrow this discussion initially? Are there any like good uses of vigilance you guys can think of for empire and um, droids? Uh, Dooku probably yeah, would like I, vigilance. I think Dooku stands um, out there. Um, yeah, like Dooku with um, maybe reflexes and maybe like one set of like portable scanner, like on a B1 that has like the points to afford. Because what why I keep on bringing up like scanners or defensive stance and now bring up reflexes is you inherently want to have multiple dodges on your force users to get the use out of vigilance because that entices you to spend a dodge, but also save a dodge because they're not nimble except for Obi-Wan on his one pip turn, right? They don't have nimble. Um, so fundamentally you want to make sure that you have multiple dodges on there um, on the unit that you want to vigilance, because if you don't and you spend that dodge, you're not keeping that dodge, you're not getting the benefit of the five point upgrade. Right. Um, so yeah. Other than that, Empire Vader, maybe I don't know. I just I, don't see. I don't see a situation where Vader's getting enough free dodges or enough dodge stacking that it makes sense to, for any kind of Empire list, really. If if Vader had a command slot, I would take Vigilance on him, just to yeah. be super clear. Um, however, he does not. I think the best place for this is 
in an item list that also has a command slot in it. That's not super common, so I don't think we're going to see it. But I think that if, if you were taking Aiden and, like, Veers and could keep the two of them together, I think I think that that's pretty powerful, you know. Um, you know, I think any time that you can use Vigilance on a unit that is likely to get shot at that has Nimble, like, you, you might... It's it's a, almost a no-brainer. Um Yeah, I give her situational awareness. She already has nibble. You know, she's got quick thinking. So, actually, I was spitballing some stuff over the weekend that has had Veers and Iden and, and Veers with vigilance, <clears throat> or or even just like an imperial officer. You know. Yeah, I, I think I think that that would be fine. Um, I I don't think it's super interesting. You know, um, not not in the way that the rebels and certainly the republic lists are. Yeah, it's it's wide open when you get to the rebels and clones. Um, yeah, like I was building a list earlier that was like Anakin, Padme, and a generic, and the generic has vigilance, I think, or no, Padme has vigilance because then she can kind of infiltrate ahead, and you can kind of plan where Anakin might go, and you get like a dodge stack onto both Anakin and Padme, and you can figure out who you want to vigilance and stuff like that, because um, you can vigilance yourself uh, based on the wording of the card. Um, so the, the main, the main point to that idea, right. Is, and I'll bring up another list that I had in my head is you need to be very aware of who you put vigilance on. Like you can't just slap it in a list and say, this is going to work because it is limited to range one to two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm trying to go off memory here. So what you're that limited is. to range one to two. So you need to be aware of where your piece that has vigilance in the piece that you want to vigilance. Like, let's say. You have Anakin Skywalker, for example, okay? Um, not the best example, but it's an example. He doesn't have a command slot, and he can't staple Vigilance to himself. Now you have a generic clone commander, and you have Padme in the list. This is all just theorizing, right? Is it better to put it on Padme or the generic clone, right? This is just a simple, basic thing. You want it on Padme because Padme can put herself in a position that Anakin will be at, and the generic clone will probably sit back a little bit more than where Anakin needs to go, right? Uh, I don't know. I, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that... I'm not saying that putting Padme forward is the best plan, but she has the more likelihood to be range one to two of Anakin at all times sure. and the clone generic, right? Um, so then, Why not both? It's not a unique upgrade. Well, That is also true. I just don't know if it's worth two copies in a lot of lists. There it's are only, it's some only lists. five points. It is there are some lists. Points. Like, I spitballed in my head the other day like a, like a double rebel generic vigilance list that has... Um, well, here, let's. I want to. I want to sort of like cordon this discussion crazy. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going off. Um, let's let's talk about one. Let's let's talk about one faction at a time, and do this a, a little bit more structured. So why don't we start with Gar, since that's what we're already talking about, Republic. Um, so you've already mentioned Anakin. How would you do this specifically in an Anakin list? Um. So. And then let's talk about Obi Wan after that. I actually think they're fairly similar, for whatever that's worth. Um, my opinion on this is that um, aggressive tactics is still greater than vigilance. I, I'm i sure that we can have a discussion on whether that's not true or not. Um, however, um, my general opinion is that 
um, characters that are going to be issuing actual orders in Gar should still have aggressive tactics. If you are, if you have a spare dude with a command slot, whether that's Padme or a generic, that just slap vigilance on them and never have them issue orders. Um, and and like that's fine. I think um, it's sort of like what you would do with strict orders back in the day. Um, that that's kind of my recipe for this. And and I do think that like. If you have a generic in a Republic list and and a named character, it should have vigilance, like end of story. Um, possible exception being Anakin, and you maybe put strict orders on it instead. I could see that, but um, I, I mean, I do think vigilance is that good that you're just stapling it to the generic Republic commander. Um, but... Ironically, in the list that I built on the same thread is... And again, I don't know if it would even work. I, you know, Mike and I, Mike, you and I have discussed like Anakin Padme a few times. Um, is I put strict on the generic and I put vigilance on Padme, and and this is all theory crafting because I haven't played the list, but I just still think that you're more likely to have her in a position. But I do agree that if you're bringing the clone generic and you're not bringing strict. Um, and you have Anakin in the list, you have to find ways to make sure that Anakin is not suppressed too. So you have to kind of plan uh, when it comes to Anakin a little bit differently, yeah. uh, which is why I was theory crafting with both the generic and Padme, because you can get both in that list selfishly. I, um, I do feel like that generally speaking in the like Anakin in the Anakin equation, you I think you want the dodge tokens that you keep with vigilance on the clones most of the time. Um I I don't know. I you know, um the only keeping one as opposed to two, like if you're only keeping one, keep it on Anakin because he can give it to the clones, right? But but yeah. if you're keeping two, like I would select two core units and let Anakin's dodge token go to waste most of the time. It, I mean, it depends on how you're playing Anakin, right? Like, I also think that a, a big kind of component of this is, like, I think in a good Anakin list, he's back with the rest of the team anyways. Um, so, so like, he should be able to, like, like he's, everybody should be, like, range two of everything in, in an Anakin list, I think, in, until, like, turns five or six. And and at that point, you've gotten the, the work out of Vigilance at that point already. Um I don't know. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think you're the shorthand for this with clones is, you know, we talked about last week, you should probably be finding a way to fit that generic clone commander into your list anyway, and just throw this in his training slot. Because if you've got a primary commander, if you're running Obi-Wan or Rex or whoever, you're going to be ideally putting aggressive tactics in that slot. So just then also bring a generic clone commander and throw Vigilance in that slot, whether or not you're running one of those crazy situational awareness spam lists or not. Um, yeah, you know, and of this course, is super good whether you're taking situational awareness or not. Is is my yeah. thing? Like, like I think yeah. the situational awareness you get like some value out of it for sure. But like the mo the value you're really getting is the vigilance. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, and clearly with Obi-Wan, you can sort of double down on the you can't kill me concept and take barrier. You know, in case your opponent has high velocity snipers or something like that, you can have barrier as like a backup, you know, between barrier and Sorosu um, 
to kind of eat those shots and then you you take the non-high velocity shots with the dodge tokens it's very frustrating to play against um yeah i mean but every every only one build i'm looking at right now is, is barrier defensive stance and push and then yep if I, have, if I have points or something else i throw it in there because well, i like, personally personally i would do situational awareness instead of defensive stance but that's just me so especially reason, in that turn where he gets like seven dodge tokens well the only reason why i suggest defensive stance is that you can and, and this is from my experience is early on with obi-wan you typically move and you dodge and you're you're now getting two dodges on obi-wan and he's not nimble right and i already alluded to this in a little bit and he can't share tokens right so rather than the one dodge token, he's your main vigilance, like a person, right? You now have the opportunity to have two dodges and guardian and barrier shot. And when you guardian, you can also dodge, right? And you also retain a dodge with the vigilance. And now you have this train of dodge tokens that never ends basically because you have knowledge and defense that gives you a stack of dodge tokens. And then as one pimp is also nimble. Okay, so you're talking about three separate turns just on those turns that he's going to have a dodge token saved by vigilance, which is now gets you to turn four, right? Because turn one, you can't vigilance. So now it turns into turn one, into two, into three, and then to four. He's keeping a dodge token, which is why I think defensive stance has a lot of value in that kind of a list because you're adding an extra layer to your barrier. Um, like you can barrier a shot, go with Obi-Wan, def- take a dodge token, move, get barrier back, right? Because defensive stance is not a force, not a force power. You now have a dodge token and barrier up again. Um, I know situational awareness and I know know you're big on it right now because you've been playing against it. I just think that defensive stance has more value there. Um, And and the only reason why I say that is because typically when you're getting shot by something for situational awareness and it's Obi-Wan defending it, he's in a, he's in a bad spot anyways. Like, like he shouldn't be in a spot where situational awareness is that key. Like your Obi-Wan should not be in a spot where he's getting shot by arc troopers and he needs a dodge token. He shouldn't be getting shot by like T21 beach pot shots, like things that are giving you low crit potential that he can dodge. He should not be in that position period. End of story. Well, like arcs. <laughs> I mean, what about arcs? I mean, I said arcs. He should not be in a position where arcs are pummeling him. Agreed. He, he really okay. shouldn't be. And that's why situational awareness is like one of those on paper makes sense on Obi-Wan. But in theory, and when you play him, it, you're basically setting yourself up to be like, I'm okay taking a pot shot from an arc trooper and dodging it. And you should never have that mindset when playing a Jedi. No, I agree. You should never like be okay with being shot. But maybe this is a good time to transition to Rebels because I'm a uh, unrepentant Jedi Luke player. And I run, I now run situational awareness on Jedi Luke. Really? And it, that seems yes. crazy silly to me. Jedi Luke has a bunch of free dodge tokens that he gets, no doubt, but it's not like Kenobi level. Like and Well, and, it's it's more with it's more with vigilance and it's more if you take reflexes, which I also now take. Um instead of Jedi Mind Trick. Because uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. Jedi Mind Trick has lost some value with both with the direct nerf that you can't use it on characters and also with droids being so prevalent. Um, but also I think you can, you can kind of lean into that situational awareness and spam more dodges. And it's, it's really, it's really apparent to me how often the only thing that gets through heavy cover 
when you're shooting at Luke or a lot of other things to include rebel troopers are the crits. You know, clearly there are these like silly, silly big pools that clones can put together, uh, you know, that heavies can, can do where you're getting more than two hits, but it's extremely common to, for most like quote unquote normal dice pools to get either just crits or even like one to two hits and then also some crits. And maybe you get two hits and two crits, but with situational awareness, you can cancel one of those where you wouldn't be able to before. So um, anyway, let's talk about Rebels real quick. There's there's one kind of unit type combination that I want to specifically highlight here that I've found to be exceptional in these circumstances, and that is the Rebel Trooper with either Z6 or DLT, the Captain, and situational awareness. Um especially with the Vigilance, because they have that dodge basically for the entire game, because they have Nimble. And it's 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 like giving them armor one, except they can also cancel crits with it. I wish I had my deck of cards near me, because I would just really want, I want to bring up situational awareness and be like, Kyle, where did this card hurt you? Um, because everything well, we're it's alluding not, to is situational awareness tonight. Well... Because we're talking about vigilance, which is a way to keep dodge tokens. I know, and 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 the, the and, two the two like work together. Yes and no, not in the not in the way that you feel like like uh, I don't want to say destroyed by this card, but I'm starting. I normally listen. All right, Kyle is like you are like the 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 center force of this of this squad here, right? And Mike and I are like the chaotic people, okay. And Mike and I very rarely see complete eye to eye. We will see eye to eye in a lot of things. And sometimes we'll string some things up on the cast because it's, it's good entertainment. We, you know, we're never mad at each other if we ever get at each other's throats. Okay. I am very rarely in camp Mike Barry. Uh, I'm usually, I'm, I'm usually with like the center of the force dad, Kyle Dornbrus, but like I'm with Mike. I, I think you're and then I know this is a tangent here, but, I don't know if situational awareness and vigilance are, they go hand in hand. Yes. But the value of, let's put it in perspective. You're taking a Z6 with the captain and situational awareness. You're tacking on an extra 14 points to that Z6 squad, right? Is it 14, 12 points for the, the, the points are changed, right? Uh, it's 12 points for a captain now. Is that That's right? 11. 11. So you're adding 13 points to that Z6 squad. Totally worth it. Vigilance, 100%. I don't know if I agree with that. And I'm okay. like, I'm here, like no, here. This I don't, is, I don't, oh man. Hang on. Let me finish. No, no, you can finish. I just wanted to say, I just want to say if this was situational awareness, I would be like, Kyle, where did this card hurt you? Cause I want to know. So it's not just that it's hurt me. Um, <laughs> it's devastated me. Okay. So there are a couple of things. This is based 100% of, on experience because I've been stress testing this in the last couple of weeks. I've played, I think six games since vigilance has come out against clone lists that utilize vigilance and situational awareness. And I've won one of them. And this is with attempting to come up with the lists that will counter that. I'm sorry, two, uh, to counter that concept specifically. Um, now that said, I have also myself been using situational awareness and vigilance on rebel units not necessarily at the same time in the same games, but I've, I've used some combination in many games of like, you know, two rebel trooper units with the captain situational awareness, nibble thing. And then like, 
you know, other just normal DLTs and Z6s. And um, I have been, I did not expect it to be good. I'll be honest. I'm, I was coming from the, the perspective of you guys. I'm like, this is, you know, 79 points for the one with the DLT. It's um, 73 points for the one with the Z6. That's a lot of points for like a white save unit. But having also played a lot of B2s lately, I think they might actually be more durable than B2s. No way. No way. You are full of it. No. Kyle Dornbos, you Wait. are full okay. of it. I think you are we need to put this in perspective six, real quick. Six wound, basically armor one unit is better and more It's not cool. basically armor one. It is so much better to be able to cancel crits. It's... This needs to be put in perspective. This I needs to be put in perspective. Especially when heavy cover is involved, because oh. if you're you're canceling two hits already, ch chances are good that the only things left in the pool are crits or crits from critical one. What needs to be put into perspective is that Kyle likes to play a defensive. I this long is what I was thinking too, Zach. You read my mind. Like, <laughs> and, and and I'm and listen. I'm not saying that the advice you're giving is bad. Okay, I'm just saying the experiences that you're having are because you're playing a long volley game where the dice pools that you're that you're dodge critting away with situational awareness and vigilance is because you're playing at range four and then the guns shooting you only have critical one anyways. I mean, that's just. I'm not because the clone most probably don't have that, but you can at least dodge. You can. The reason why you're probably feeling better about it is because you're dodge creating away arc troopers in the clone in the clone in the clone setup, right? Because the, you're probably allowing to. You're probably well, putting that's... your snipers in spots where they can't be shot by the arcs, so they only can shoot your core. So now you're dodge spamming your rebel troopers, and to keep this on on point with the podcast, right? A point here is rebel troopers with nimble and dodge tokens with vigilance, very good combination. And it is definitely something you want to put in your list, Vigilance, on a Rebel list. If you can fit Vigilance in, I mean, I don't want to say you staple it, but if you can get Dodge Tokens on anything that has Nimble on a Rebel list, you want Vigilance, okay? Um, so let's preface it by that. But I do think that you're getting yourself engaged into these these long volleys, and you're, and you're not saying you're blind, because I understand you understand the game. But for Christ's sake, you're playing way more games than I do. I don't... I've only played one game in the past like three months. Okay. So I, I just fundamentally think that the way that your games have gone lately are skewing you towards the situational awareness. And I'm not saying that situational awareness doesn't have value. I just don't think spamming it in the list and I'm with Mike, which is a very rare instance. I don't know if spamming it times five in a list is worth it because more often than not, I feel like the game is not necessarily the long volleys anymore. Um, it, it's still got a lot of range four game in it. Don't get me wrong. And there's still long volleys with snipers, but I just even, don't even the range three pools, though it's important. I suppose there are a lot of range three pools that rely on, on but, crits. Like, but Mike, like Mike, or said, some combination say, of crits and hits. Let's say that like the the dice pool at range three is throwing. Let's say it's like a short trooper with double aim or like a double aim. Let's say like a short trooper with double aim is getting like what six through six through so four after cover. Yep. You're still rolling three saves. It doesn't matter if you have situational awareness yeah. or not. And not only that, but the dodge token, the, the situational would have that the situational is allowing you to like dodge a hit with like is just going to dodge a hit in that pool anyway. Yeah, that's what like, I'm saying. Like you're still rolling three and, saves unless those are all crits and well, you can dodge maybe. a crit. And... Well, that's the thing though is you think it's it's shorthand to think of that as all paint. But in a in an eight dice pool with critical one, chances are pretty good that at least 
two, if not three of those are crits. But if the odds are, say, two or three are crits, no, I mean, and, no. four, and four are getting through cover, you're still only dodging one hit on average anyways. And, and the situational and awareness didn't do you any good. Sure, and you're talking specifically about shores. There are other... No, there, I know. There, just, there, are other, example. there are other pools that it's not effective against, like B2s, right, which ignore your cover. Right. Um, clearly at high velocity, right? But having used both the there, there's let me continue to make the case real quick for the captain rebel triple thing and then we can yeah. just talk about vigilance generally and in how rebel, it fits. rebel lists yeah i actually think the captain is almost good enough on his own merits for two reasons one the suppression ignoring ability which is actually really good um and two he gives you an extra black die in either a dlt or a z6 pool which is great uh, you know, that is like a legitimately hard-hitting pool. And then you only have to pay two more points on top of that for situational awareness to essentially make yourself immune to arcs, T21Bs, other DLTs, um, the uh, droid sniper. Um, so like E5Cs, uh, you know, there are these like 13 activation droid lists that are essentially centered entirely around chip damage. You know, they've got staps which rely on critical. They've got E5Cs which rely on crits like a Z6 does. And then they've got BX snipers, which don't have high velocity. So, um, and I've, I've used like both the captain units and the regular dudes in the same game. And the regular dudes, even with vigilance, die just like the regular dudes always do <laughs> in a rebel well, list. I mean, I think and it's important. the captain dudes are like, like I've never lost one of those units, not once yet. Um, oh, don't worry, Kyle. There will be a day, and it is coming soon, Mister Frenemy. Um, and and uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I get what you're saying. I just do I'm some stress. Do it. some stress testing, and then come back to me. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, it surprised I just, me. Like, I, 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 I'm looking at it, and I don't. It doesn't even look worth stress testing to me, Kyle. I'm gonna be honest. I think Rebel Troopers are just that bad that you are just making a bad unit worse. Um, All right, I'm gonna show you. I, I will agree. Do. The one concept I will agree here with, and it's not necessarily in the same vein as Kyle, is that Rebel Troopers probably need to bring heavy weapons and extra bodies if they can to deal with droids. So I, I will agree with that. I just don't know if it's in the form of a captain in situational awareness and and in relying on the dodge chipping from from long distance volleys. Dude, it's you got to try it before you knock it. I I yeah. thought I honestly expected it to be terrible, and I was very pleasantly surprised. Now to get us back on track, vigilance in in rebel lists. Again, I, I alluded to it in this whole tangent. It's good with units with nimble, which means rebel troopers. If you can get dodge tokens on them, they're a good source to do it. Um, but obviously, this card reads Skywalker to me, um, personally. Um, I, I think it also reads Sabine Wren, um, and I think it also reads to me uh, Clan Wren with Retinue, because there's a lot of weird things you can do with Sabine and, um, you know, uh, Clan Wren and getting a dodge token on each other, because then you can probably, like, Retinue... Clan, if you have like a, a commander with a command slot with vigilance, you can retinue the dodge one turn, but then retain that dodge and then retinue and aim, and you're getting the double dip on those tokens. There, there's a lot of value. Um, I mean, he's not out yet, but Lando has a command slot, and this just basically reads Lando vigilance. Oh, clearly, yeah. Operative Luke and 
and you know go to town but that's that's for down the road would you give would you give sabine situational awareness in this uh in this case uh, yeah just to be clear yes. i think situational awareness always goes on sabine yeah that's a okay. totally different story than a 73 to 79 point rebel trooper unit that has the potential of just freaking melting yeah. i mean it's only it's only two points it is only two, two, two points to make yourself immune to arcs. That's pretty... Uh... The, the issue here, I think, in this situation you're bringing up is not that you're selling us on situational. It's that you're selling us on a unit that... I, I don't know. I'm, I don't think that unit is anywhere close to a phase two unit or a unit of short troopers um, in, in value. Like, well, it's also like 14 points cheaper. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like... I think once you're talking, I don't about, disagree like, with you. Yeah, but. I just I don't know. It's it's way too expensive for rebels. Like rebels, one of the good things about their core units is that they're pretty cheap. Right. You know? Yeah. And like I sixty think... points and sixty six sound way better to me than seventy nine and seventy three. Yeah. I mean, like, personally, once once you're up at eighty, they might as well be phase twos at that point in cost, as far as I'm concerned. Like, because in the in the games where you're not trading those long volleys, which you're definitely in in definitely doing, Kyle. I know how you play this game. The moment that you enter range three against a unit that can that can really hit you, that seventy three point seventy nine point unit is going to really feel bad. But again, we're not here to discuss. That. <laughs> Maybe just it just works up. specifically only for my play style. I don't know. And that is one hundred percent valid. I'm not discrediting that. I just outside of you playing it, I don't know how good it is. How's that? Okay, that's fair. All I right, mean, so yeah. yeah. I think it's. I think if you have a, I think this goes in the first command slot uh, that you have access to as rebels. Yeah, yeah. I, pretty much every time. If you bring Leia, I mean, you staple it on her. Oh, clearly, yeah. You know, um, and I think that uh, we've had a lot of like clearly heated discussion here. I think it's important to point out that the heated discussion here is really not about vigilance. It's, about it's not situational. Yeah, awareness. yeah. Um, and yeah, and, like vigilance should just get stapled to to a lot of things uh it's very good it's super good um yeah yeah regardless of how you feel about the captain unit thing uh still take vigilance with rebels yeah <laughs> the common denominator is vigilance very yeah. good <laughs> um and something that we brought up on the discord and i'll bring it up here uh i think we brought up in comp talk the other day is that the game kind of has alluded to being more offensive and then in between barrier and vigilance and some other things, it almost feels like we're trying to offset that with defensive capabilities, uh, which is a good thing. Um, my concern is that sometimes it might be uninteractive, um, which in Kyle, in some of those games, it sounds like you might have had some uninteractive games. Uh, and that's all due to play style. Um, it's not, not every game is going to be like that. Um, so I, I think while balancing out heavy dice pools is good, it, there is definitely some drawback to it. And you need to keep that in mind when you see that in lists. Like if you see vigilance and barrier and situational awareness, you need to understand that there's going to be uninteractive situations throughout the entire game. And, and and just be okay with that. Like that's just the way the game's heading right now. And if it means it's offsetting a lot of offensive firepower that we've seen in some power creeping situations, I think that's generally okay. Um, I, I would rather buff... I would rather buff everything with like a defensive thing than bring some broken unit to balance things out. Right. Um, like a five point card that lets you retain dodges to be more defensive. Seems like a good way to do that. 
Like I know what I'm bringing in our match. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Well, do I'm gonna, the, I'm the gonna shred you if that's what you're gonna bring. Shred no, it's gonna, it's gonna be the clone. It's gonna be the clone one, the clone version with Obi Wan. Yeah, totally. Gonna shred you. Shredded. You're going should, down, so, Dornbos. We should do like a. All seriousness, we should do some kind of like clone on clone because I think. I think this is significant in the in the Garmir also, um, just because of how much it affects arcs. I will give you that. In a clone mirror, situational awareness and vigilance dodge stacking is completely different than across all four factions. In, in, a, in a mirror, it's totally different if one has it and the other one doesn't, for sure. Um, no matter if it's long volleying or not, that's a complete game changer. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I think even in some of my uh, invader matches from last season i i remember distinctly um i watched a video playback of uh, uh my game versus stevens which was you know a, a republic mirror and and kingsley was casting it and one point in the cast he was like why is mike taking dodge tokens i don't understand and like <laughs> you know the the prevailing wisdom is that you know you take aim tokens on on your units i, I <laughs> um and i mean you know sometimes dodge tokens are really good you know, it, it, it's just a question of, you know, when, when, when those situations come up and how often they are. Well, and Republic does not have any units with high velocity. So, right. And, that, and that's the thing. Like, you always pretty much get to use those dodge tokens. Um, yep. You know, so, um, yeah. All right. Any further thoughts on Vigilance? I mean, essentially, I think the TLDR of this, like, however long 45-minute discussion as we just had, <laughs> is stick it on the first command slot that doesn't have aggressive tactics in it for a Republic list and stick it on the first command slot for Rebels. Well, I would like to caveat the Rebel stuff is that if you're not taking Rebel Troopers and you're taking, like, fleets and vets, like, it's real. Oh, bad. yeah. Like, right. Like, yeah. Like, that, that, that's an important distinction to make because I'm, I'm sure that there are people out there that are playing, like, some fleets and some vets vets probably yeah. more than fleets especially with the new range four changes and stuff you know so like you know on those units like this is not not good <laughs> yeah we so yeah we essentially rattled off the units that if you have them in your list you want this right and that's mandalorians sabine luke rebel troopers with heavies which is a significant portion of rebel lists but if you're running like some kind of you know armor skew with double air speeders or something, then clearly you don't, you don't need this. If all your core units are naked fleet troopers or whatever. Yeah. Um, um, my other advice would be if you're doing it to bring it with like a force user is to have the mindset of getting a way to get them two dodges. That way you're like, and I brought this up earlier, you want two dodges so you can spend a dodge and retain a dodge uh, if yep. possible. Mm -hmm. So if you're building around vigilance on your force user, figure out a way to get two dodges on them early. And take, take reflexes. Yeah, reflexes or, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of different ways you can do it. Yep. All right, well, that was a long discussion on situational awareness, the brand new card <laughs> from... Uh, the, <laughs> uh, oh, usually, usually I'm not the one that derails our conversation. Nope. Um, I mean, to be fair, you didn't really derail it. You brought it up, and yeah. then I, I, we kind of spun it on you, uh, yeah, yeah. mainly me. To, to um, me. To me, it's just there's so much, like like independently of each other they're good but together it's like you know two plus two equals six kind of situation yeah. in my opinion 
I don't know. I I see. Uh, to me, what I feel like you're seeing is vigilance is just like nine points of that ten point conversation. You know, like I I don't know. Like, yeah. I guess we'll see. I also like don't want to spend twenty points on situational awareness. That's in a republic list. That sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like like they're already like so difficult to put together because of the points adjustments to like put together a list that in any way shape or form looks good anymore um which we can maybe talk about some other time but i don't know there are ways there are definitely ways it's only two points per unit so which i mean we said that about recon intel but we don't see that that often anymore like sure um all right well any final thoughts you're going down <laughs> no you are we gotta we do have to figure out when we're gonna schedule our game because we should probably stream that yeah um, i i would i mean do you want to just like wait until we've all we've both played four games i don't know let's circle we'll figure we'll figure it out in a week yeah. or something but i i would prefer that someone else streams it oh you know, clearly maybe, maybe yeah. you get david or something what i don't want to yeah. do is have to worry about having a stream up and playing no, the yeah, totally. Matches this this season. I'm gonna have to play at the same time. Yeah, no. Clearly, we would have someone else stream it. Um, but yes, I'd imagine that uh, we should stream it in some capacity. Uh, all right. Well, we are the notorious scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I am the defeater of Kyle, the Republic champion. The situational awareness is terrible. I'm Mike. I am Zach, and I'm going to hunt down whoever hurt Kyle with situational awareness. It's at least four different people, so, you know. <laughs> uh, all right. We're the Notorious Scoundrels. I already said that. Stay fresh, cheese bags. See? He's already off his game. <laughs> yep. Yeah.